for listening to our podcast, recorded live at Gateway Church Ashford. You can find out more about us on our website, gatewaychurchashford.co.uk. God. Thank you, Tom and the team. Fantastic worship. Praise God. We will set our face on the Lord. Hallelujah. Paul, fantastic. You, when you hear my message today, you will see that it's all aligned. The Spirit is in control. Praise God. It's amazing that uh, what God wants to communicate, He communicates powerfully, and it gets well into our hearts and minds. One of my favorite stories is about a young pastor who once came in uh, into a church, and he, he used to preach. And uh, once he preached his best sermon, and uh, he was on fire. He was on fire in such a way that he used a lot of the biblical terms. He used Greek, Hebrew, exegetical sort of uh, sermons. And he expounded all the nuances that he could expound on the day. After the sermon, you know, everyone comes to you and says, thank you, pastor. It was amazing. Thank you so much for your message. And as it was going on, one of the old timers came in, pastor, thank you so much. You're more brilliant than Einstein, Albert Einstein. And this pastor thought, oh, wow, thank you so much. And he went away. But throughout this week, this was nagging in his mind. What did I do so brilliantly than Albert Einstein? So next week, after the message, he again went to the old timer and said, uh, sir, I, I don't understand. Why did you say uh, more brilliant than Albert Einstein? He said, pastor, you know, in the whole world, only 10 people can understand Albert Einstein. But you, no one could understand. <laughs> I hope today you can understand me a little bit. <laughs> encountering Jesus in the risen world, encountering Jesus as he rose again in the resurrection we saw during the Easter time, and encountering Jesus through our doubts, encountering Jesus through our failures. In all these encounters, the sole objective was can we find a place in the heart of Jesus? Have we found a place in the heart of Jesus? The whole journey is not the instant that we are born again, but it's encounters after encounters. Today we will go a bit more into the foundational, uh, the basics. Uh, forgive me if I move from one portion to other portion. Uh, if it is chaotic, that's why I wanted to give that pretext. If you don't understand me, please forgive me. But the whole objective of this uh, 15, 20, 30 minutes is that you would get the crux of what does it mean by encountering Jesus through the Great Commission? What does it mean by discipleship? What does it actually mean by knowing Him from the inside out? Let us turn our attention to Colossians chapter 1, verses 28. Uh, 128 to chapter 2, verses 7. I will read in, in, in New American Standard Version. Whom we proclaim, admonishing every man and teaching every man in all wisdom, that we may present every man perfect in Christ. Here Paul is emphasizing to the Colossians, strenuously he is saying that, we may present every man 
perfect in Christ. His endeavor towards that Colossian church was that he would be able to present everyone. Not one was let go. He was not expecting that they would be born again and they would accept Christ, but he was interested in their growth on a day-to-day basis. Verse 29, Whereunto I labor also striving according to his working, which worketh in me mightily, Chapter 2 onwards, for I would have you know how greatly I strive for you and for them at Laodica and for as many as have not seen my face in the flesh, that their hearts may be comforted, that they being knit together in love and unto all riches of the full assurance of understanding, that they may know the mystery of God even in Christ, that they may know what exactly is the mystery in Jesus Christ, in whom are all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge hidden. This is to say that no one may delude you with persuasiveness of speech. For though I am absent in the flesh, yet I am with you in the spirit, joying and beholding your discipline and the firmness of your faith in Christ. We will come to that discipline and firmness a little later. As therefore you received Christ Jesus, the Lord, so also walk in him, rooted and builded up in him, Establish in your faith, even as you're taught, abounding in thanksgiving. We want to look into the mystery that is hidden from the ages. The full glory that we have in Jesus Christ. God, from the very beginning, he has planned for each one of us to, to, to understand the mystery that how Jesus, the Son, and the Father dwelled in that unity. The love that encompassed, enveloped Jesus the, uh, as a Son and Holy Spirit uh, as one of the triune entity and Father as the third triune entity. As a triune body, they were always engulfed in that love. And the mystery is that Jesus wants you and me to dwell into that triune God. Understand that love and participate in that love. And that is what Paul is trying to uh, emphasize here. That in the magnificent plan that God has built for you and me, we, want, we at times don't uh, take a moment to think. If you, if you start back, you know, stand here and take a glimpse of the view that what and why God has brought us into this world and having given that opportunity to know you, know him, Personally, having uh, uh, given the opportunity to understand that where we were once and where we are now is not just for the sake that we will one day meet him face to face. But he wants us to enjoy the love relationship with him. He has created us for that love. The participation of that love should, should happen on a day-to-day basis. And that's why he, uh, Paul says that anyone who says yes or you know, he surrenders to the plan that God has, it means that we are, we are you know, the story that we are going to leave upon is not that we will, we will have something improved from what we were before, but we are going to get into a journey where we are going to enjoy that fellowship, enjoy that relationship with, with God. The, the, you know, it's kind of the becoming a dancing partner where Father, Son, and Holy Spirit is enjoying that relationship. So our heart, uh, you know, what we should understand is that we are at the heart of the triune God. It, it could not be more beautiful than that. It cannot be more wonderful than that when we look at our position in him. What we are created, sometimes we f- just forget that. Because we, we, we are entangled with our day-to-day affairs. 
but we are created for that enjoyment. Folks, I want to challenge you today. For a minute, 20, 15, 20 minutes, get your brain focused on the centrality that God is love. He has created us for that love relationship. And I want to zoom into uh, John chapter 13 and John chapter 14. You, everyone knows that it's the uh, in a upper room discourse where uh, if you sum it up, the overall emphasis is on that four-letter word, L-O-V-E, love, where Jesus is talking about his relationship with the Father and how that love relationship he translates to his disciples. John chapter 13, verses 34 and 35, it reads this way, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, even as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. You would see that here, discipleship is connected with the word love. Anything to do with discipleship cannot happen without the love in us. The interesting aspect here is that, uh, you know, it just took, took me off, and I have read this verse many times, but it says it is a new commandment. And I was wondering, what is this new commandment? If you ex examine the Old Testament, you'd find the same verse there, that you shall love the Lord thy God with all your heart, and you shall love your neighbor as well. And what is new about it? And uh, that's when the Greek comes in. So I started examining what does it mean. In Greek, there are two words which are used. One is kainos for the word new, and neos. And kainos means uh, new in kind. Neos means brand new. It's like, you know, uh, if you and me go and buy a new Toyota, a brand new car, or a Ford brand new car, it becomes the Neos. But if James Bond comes up with his car, brand new car, it is something of a new kind. It can go underwater, short torpedoes, and it can be a stealth plane, invisible. No parking problem for him. <laughs> so that is the Neos which God is meant, uh, you know, he's trying to, uh, Paul is trying to explain that, and Jesus is trying to explain that. So the reality is that, what is the benchmark when we read those two verses? Jesus says, look at me. As I love my Father, you are to love one another. Here, Jesus is the benchmark. That's the new thing. Before the benchmark, there was no benchmark. There was a commandment given, and you were asked to follow. But now here Jesus is saying, look at me as I love my father, the same love I expect you to give out. And loving one another should come out of our response to loving him. The reality is that we don't experience this, partly because of the world that we live in, the surroundings where we are constantly influenced on a, you know, everyday basis. What is true is often not true. What, you know, things around us may not, we may feel it as if it is not true. Our reality does not resonate with what is actually true. In John chapter 7, we read that uh, uh, there is a reservoir. Out of your belly shall flow waters of living waters. So the zoe water is already given to each one of us. It's there in our bellies. But if it is there, why do we feel parched and deserted? 
thirsty, always. On the one side, the spirit infiltrates in us and says that we have the peace that passes all understanding, but we are fearful. Why? He has given us the spirit to overcome fear, but we, have, uh, we, have, we are fearful. We have the mind of God. We have, uh, you know, he has given us the mind, uh, sound mind that overcomes fear. We have the power that is working in us, but we often feel powerless. Right now, as you're sitting here, you may be listening to this message or you may be dozing, dozing off, whatever it is, but the reality is you are inside these four walls of North School. But the fact is, are you aware of his presence? That's why when Paul came up and said, seek my face now, in this instant, in this instant, are you aware that he is with you? He is in you. And he is willing to give that Zoe water for us to feed into all that situations of life. Every minute. The fundamental problem is the clouds. And it resonates with your rain song, Tom. The sun is always shining. It's always there. But we don't see the sun because of the clouds. The clouds darken it out. The clouds stop the sun rays, the brightness and the warmth that we can have today. He's always the same yesterday, today, and forever. But our experience, when we look at it in a reality, natural way, it's much in flux. And often we don't, form, we don't feel the warmth of the sun, neither we see the brightness. The clouds block the brightness. The world is full of smog. The environment is polluted, the earth is, you know, the, 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 what we breathe is constantly polluted. Everything, you know, we, we may, uh, you know, uh, we, must, we are saturated by lies. Lies about us, lies about others, lies about God, lies about anything and everything. Because of the smog that is inside, which is polluted, we don't see the sun shining. To that degree, we live in, in this dark and oppressed world. The sun is the same. Jesus is the same. There is nothing changed in him. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He has instituted the same love for us from the beginning of this world. He has instituted everything for us. But the question is, how do we get out from the clouds? How do we detox? Because perpetually, whatever we do, we are constantly encountering that clouds. Constantly we would have that influence, the power outside will, because we are living in that world. So there has to be some criteria that we need to follow in order to detox. And that's where the question of discipleship and the Great Commission comes. Many times when we look at Great Commission, we look at Mark 16, the end words, and say that, oh, go and make disciples, baptizing them, the nail Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and make disciples of all nations. It doesn't stop there. But the whole aspect should begin with Christ. Because, uh, you know, the fact is, we, we are quite aware, uh, you know, not just in our day-to-day uh, engagements, that uh, uh, even as Paul is talking to Colossians as well, we, there is an element of uh, day-to-day engagements where we, 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 we see that certain things have to be done in a certain way, and certain things are for God. We kind of distinguish uh, between what is for God and what is for the outside. I'll come to it in, in a bit. But I'm more than aware 
at this point of time that we need, if we need to engage closely with Christ, if we need to, to, to understand His heartbeats for us, we need to have that relationship. A relationship which is triggered not just by the fact that He has loved us and He has saved us, but a relationship which is in response to Him, Lord, I love you. Lord, I want to enjoy the same fellowship that you are having with the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, the triune fellowship. The criteria is not that I attend the service, I go to a community group, in a Sunday school, I do sermons. No. All these are important, but they're just a means to an end itself. The question is, are we growing? If we are not growing, everything is meaningless. It'll just be a routine, a routine copying the world, which we are replicating as an administrative fact to satisfy the outside. The moment you are stunted or stuck, it's an opportunity to say, Lord, I want to draw closer to you. It's an opportunity to think back and say, Lord, I want to have a fresh encounter. I want to have that relationship where I can hear your heartbeat every minute, not just when I'm coming into church, not just when I'm going to a community group, not just when I'm going to a prayer meeting. No, every minute. So one of the biggest clouds in this culture is entertainment because we want everything new. Jazzy, exciting, we go for it. But it's time, folks, to have repetition. Repetition of the fundamentals. Repetition of what we believe in. Repetition of what we are stuck to. Repetition of the fact that Jesus is the Lord. Repetition of the fact that He alone can satisfy us. Let's turn our attention to Colossians chapter 2, verses 5 to 7. We'll just go a bit deeper into these three verses. Verse 5 says, For though I am absent in the flesh, yet I am with you in the spirit, joying and beholding your order, that is, beholding discipline, and the steadfastness of your faith in Christ, that is, how firm is your faith in Christ. If we break these verses apart, you will see, first of all, you know, Paul is really delighted in Colossians that they are able to have a disciplined life. They're able to uh, you know, carry out the order, the command, the imperative, the present imperative uh, command that they are able to follow it up. So what exactly he's talking about is, the, uh, here the word discipline is taxes. That means carrying out an orderly duty. It is already clear that to have a maturity in Christ, we need to be disciplined. If we are denying any kind of discipline, we cannot be a disciple of Christ. The first step towards moving into discipleship is better get disciplined. Jesus Christ dis disciplined his disciples. Unless we are disciplined, we will not be called a disciple. The next verse is, Beholding, once you are disciplined and then you are also firm in your faith in Christ. That's stereoma. It means stand firm and be solid. So it's not just by following a disciplined order, but 
you have to stand firm in what we believe. Rooted, completely rooted and stand firm. A discipline to be carried out as a command. And then Paul, as a good teacher, he's affirming that you're disciplined, you have, you're standing firm, now you need to move forward. And in verse 6 it says, As therefore you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. Continue to live and continue to have life in him. Parapetio. That means walk in a particular way. You cannot walk the way you desire to. So if you are disciplined and if you are firm and you understand the relationship with Jesus Christ, there is a particular way that you have to walk. So uh, and, uh, the particular way means it is not something that you will do it in future or it is that you have done in the past. It is present active. Today, how you are walking, wherever you are, not just when we are in the church, not just we are surrounded by people of God. No, wherever you are, in a particular way, how you are walking. That's important. The verse 7. Rooted and builded up in him and established in your faith, even as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. Be like the root of a tree. I struggled with this word for, for a few minutes. The metaphor here, I couldn't really understand. It says you walk, but be rooted as well. As if you're taking each steps, and then you have the roots. So you, uh, when I start meditating on it, it essentially says that you have to be grounded in Jesus, but as you take your momentary steps, you need to get nourished from the word, from Jesus, on a moment-by-moment basis. We cannot trust, you know, that... Today I had a verse, and I will enjoy the rest of the year. We cannot. The world and the things around us is so powerful, so impactful, and so influencing that we cannot depend on something that is past experience. We have to depend today, this moment. We, the, the walk should be in such a way that uh, you know, as the tree gets nourishments from the roots, we need to get nourishment on every step. Every step that we take, we need to have that nourishment. And unless we have that nourishment, it will be very difficult for us to be fruitful. So we need to be rooted in such a way, like an oak tree. Whatever wind comes up, whether it is a wind uh, in, in, at our work, which is strong, or whether it is uh, you know, a colleague or whatever it is. It's financial problems. It is, uh, it is a need in the house, whatever it is. If we are rooted with that step where we are nourished from the word, nourished from Jesus, who is willingly inviting each one of us to have that relationship that Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit is enjoying, then we are automatically engaged into that relationship. And with that nourishment, we can have the power, we can have the wisdom, we can have the sense of direction from him. To be built up, strengthened, and to, be, to stand firm in Christ, we not only receive Christ, but also be disciplined by walking in the way that each step is rooted by Christ moment by moment. Step by step. Step by, it's called in a peripetio, present active imperative. So we need to be present and active together. Now, here is the thing. Uh, uh, forgive me for this. You know, in the West, I've been serving in the West for 20 years now. So, in the West, we see, 
We compartmentalize. Even at work, I do that. We compartmentalize things. We like to you know, divide things uh, so that we can examine it properly. So, in a sense, what happens is we compartmentalize that is secular and that which is holy. So, usually we spend time at the secular most of the time because we are at work, we are with friends, whatever we do, we travel. And then we fly into the holy when we are coming into community groups or into church. So we have, and when we go to secular, believe me, be honest here, we'll just behave as anybody out there. When we come into the holy, we behave, we try to behave in a proper way or the way which we think is right. So that compartmentalization is the biggest hassle for us. We need to behave that everything is holy. And that will not happen unless we take every step and get the nourishment for that step. Every step, whether it is at work, whether it is traveling, whether in in car, whether in grocery store, anywhere, we cannot compartmentalize. We need to be aware that he is present. We need to be aware that he is constantly in us. He is continuously working in us. But he is such a God who gives us that independence to allow him to work in us. So every step that we take, it's important. We need to be aware of the secular surroundings that we are in. We would not enjoy the riches of his glory or we would not comprehend what he has done for us or what he has for us today unless we allow that relationship to happen. Because we are mostly living in the clouds. The clouds stop the sunshine. It stops the brightness. It, it gives away. It doesn't give up. You know, we don't have the warmth. Even though we feel we are in grocery shop or driving car or fixing up a toilet, the truth is that we can be at the heart of the triune God. We can be. And I'm trying very hard. It is not easy. It is not easy. It is not easy. But God is willing to help us. He has given us the Holy Spirit, the another helper. So it's all about our awareness of His presence in our lives. The only you have, the only you and me have is today. Yesterday's you is gone. Tomorrow's you, God alone, what is, what is it? The only way that you and me can be aware of is to have a fully surrendered life. The first step to be a disciple of Christ is to surrender completely. And we can't surrender to, our, to Christ in an abstract way. We can't. We can't imagine that we are surrendering Him. Oh, I'm surrendering. No. We have to surrender in practically. Every step that we take, am I surrender to God? Every step, every minute. As an, as an evangelical Christians or charismatic Christians, we are always intended to say that, are you born again? But we don't say, are you growing in Christ? Are you mature in Christ? You may have received Christ five years, 50 years, or five minutes ago, but today are you surrendered to Christ? That's a question to you and me. Are we surrendered to Him today? This foundational, folks, 
It looks weird talking this way, but that is what it is. We can't live free from the clouds if we are not surrendered. John chapter 14, verse 31 says, But so that the world may know that I love the Father and do exactly as the Father commanded me, get up, let us go from here. But if you look at John chapter, I will finish up in in a few minutes. In chapter 14, you see uh, there are three unthinkable things for, for the disciples. The first one was Jesus told them that he was leaving them. They never expected Jesus to leave them at all. The second was Jesus said one of them will betray Jesus. And the third was Jesus predicted that Peter would deny him. Three unthinkable things for the disciples. And I I was wondering why Jesus would have taken them through that discourse. He was essentially preparing them for something very important. He was preparing them to take up all that he had planned for the nations. He wanted the disciples to understand the fact that he loves his father so much and the same love would engulf them, that their response to the father would be the same. Preparation is important, my folks. It is important. It's very important. I just reminded of a story. Uh, 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 a father who invested a lot in his son for his studies. And this guy uh, flies uh, to some other country. And um, uh, after spending a lot of money and has even saved for his future uh, studies, he failed. So he sends a fax to his brother Failed exams, prepared father. His brother replies back saying that, prepared father, prepare yourself. (laughs) Preparation is very important. Just on that note, I would want to end up here. I wanted to give you a few more uh, tips, but just before I end up, some of the strategies which I have not fully utilized but have worked in some form whenever I have used is I call this routing techniques. So one of the routing techniques which I use is early rising routing. If you can, you know, many of, the, many of us are not early risers. I, I, I do rise up early, but many of us are not. As Psalmist says, early in the morning, I will rise up and give thanks. It's an opportunity, even if it's 15 minutes, 10 minutes, 5 minutes, an opportunity to welcome God into our lives on that day would help. And then routing moments, taking break throughout the day. Taking moments to check and visit, Lord, I'm on track. Am I on track? Am I visiting you? Am I uh, listening to you? Let me enjoy that fellowship. In this situation, what should I do? Take a break, examine. Routing reminders. You know, you can keep on your table or on your wardrobe or on your toilets. You can have verses that affect you, that has been markers for you. And then it's always good to have friends, rooting friends, will always encourage each one of us to back us up and steer us towards him. Can we all stand up? I would want each one of us to take a few moments just to think that he is here. Getting aware of his presence as Tom and his team comes up for a quick worship. Let's get to that attitude of uh, that he is here. He is with us. 
He is more than interested in us. But the question is, do you love him? Do we love him? It's not about he loving us. That's all, that doesn't change. He is always loving us. But the question is, are we loving him? He is more than interested in us. Loving God is the sum of all. But how we respond to his love sums up discipleship. Discipleship is not a program at all. It's not a program. It's a foremost devotion to him. Giving him the sole priority. Giving him the topmost priority of our life. Folks, take a moment just to be aware of his presence. As the worship band goes up, Ikara bashi andere, ikuna bara kuni andere.